Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm Tom Scavetta, your host, joined alongside my two lovely co-hosts, Hank and Dichter and Sam Cardona. Hank, Sam, how are you? How are you doing tonight? The holidays are here. Yeah, they are. And they came up fast, which is crazy to think that Thanksgiving is tomorrow, but doing a lot of prepping, getting all the food together, cleaning the house, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, and a uh, little, little upset with this Giants team right now, but we are going to go into that in today's show. You know what? I'm not going to let last Monday ruin my good mood right now. I'm excited for Thanksgiving. A lot of my family just came up to my house and are here. Shout out to everyone who's watching, two of my cousins, my grandma and my aunt. Big shout out. And of course, my mom is what? To Mom and Rich, two of my other biggest fans as well. And otherwise, I'm also pretty happy because our long national offensive coordinator nightmare is over. See a Jason Garrett, but I don't know if it's really enough to save the season. But look, I'm relieved. I'm just hoping we get some progress. And you know what? I'm pumped for this week. A big game against my most hated team, the Philadelphia Eagles. I can't wait. I don't, however the rest of the season goes, we have to beat those guys. I'm sorry. I just have to say it. Tom, how's it going? Thanks as always. Always a pleasure, my guy. Yeah, Hank, thanks so much. And shout out to your family as as well for watching. Folks, make sure to share this podcast with your friends, family. We appreciate all the love and support. Feel free to drop a comment in the stream. If you have any comments, questions throughout the course of our show, here tonight. We are live at a special time at 5 p.m. on a Wednesday because tomorrow is Thanksgiving. And remember, remember to subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms below. And before I announce our special guest for the night, I think you're all going to love who we're bringing on. She's been on before. Uh, yes, Jason Garrett, uh, Ginger Snap, has been fired. Uh, <laughs> there he is at a press conference, conference at the Quest Diagnostic Center. And Sam, Hank, it's about damn time that Jason Garrett has been fired from the New York football giants after 26 games. This happened yesterday. Hank did a little short on our YouTube channel. Make sure to go check that out if you haven't yet at Big Blue Avenue. Make sure to subscribe as well. But what was both of your initial reactions when you saw this? Because I was actually in the car driving when this happened, and my phone was blowing up. No, literally same. I was also in my car driving when this happened and the same thing happened to me. And I was like, what is happening? Like something bad must have happened for my phone to be going off as much as it did. 
but in fact, it was a good thing. And um, the first person to reach out to me was my brother, um, who straight up said he was just like, it it's happening. It's a glorious day. And I was just like, yes, yes, it is. And I was earlier talking to him about how much I was so frustrated with the way Garrett has been performing, but especially on Monday night, like it was just atrocious to see the way that the offense was called. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm interested to see how Kitchens comes in and fulfills this role. Um, he obviously is inclined uh, in tune with the offense being a running backs and tight ends coach. So, you know, we'll see how it goes, but honestly, I'll, I'll take it for now. I just, I, I was so just so angry on Monday watching these play calls happen. It was just horrendous. So, I'm glad he's gone, and we don't have to deal with the clapping anymore. Well, first of all, here's my reaction. Believe it or not, I, too, was also driving. I actually was just going out to grab a quick bite to eat or something. Then I get out of my car. I look on my phone. There's, like, at least five to ten texts, and then I'm like, what just happened? Then when I see Jason Garrett, my initial reaction, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, safe to say I was pretty ecstatic. The play calling Monday night was just an absolute disaster. I mean, the Tragic. fact of the matter is they did not score a single – well, okay, other than the field goal, they just didn't get any touchdowns on an offensive drive. And Okay, that's not entirely true. They, you did have that creative Daniel Jones pass to Andrew Thomas, but that was a gift. Let, let's be real. If that does not happen, if Mike Evans uncharacteristically tips the ball right into the hands of Adoree Jackson. So, and, and to see the offense production and like the whole team production like that coming off a whole week to prepare, that's unacceptable. And, you know, say what you want about Joe judge. He's right. The coaching staff is definitely a problem. And, I'm sure maybe he was owning up to his own misjudgments over the course of the season, but you could tell he wanted nothing more to do with Jason Garrett. And look, as I kind of sort of hinted in my video, I don't think Jason Garrett was ever really a guy that judge really wanted on his staff to begin with. But again, that's a story for another day. I'm hoping this will be a sign of things to come some change for the better over the course of the second half of the season but again who really knows i mean i wouldn't say i'm excited to have freddie kitchens as a new coordinator but you know what he certainly can't get any worse than what we had just before that i agree 100 here's the way i look at this and what's up noah thank you so much for your comment really appreciate it uh what's the good slanted falcon there on the side um <laughs> look the, the the biggest thing i take from this jason garrett firing is that clearly he was the main source of the problem offensively. You just look at the play calling in this game. It wasn't good. Uh, Kenny Galladay wasn't on the field on a fourth down situation. We don't know how to use Saquon Barkley. Uh, I'm going to give the Giants offense a little bit of the benefit of the doubt on Monday night because this went very unnoticed. They were without Caden Smith, who was a huge blocker in the run game. In fact, he's the best run blocking tight end on our roster. He's out there when we use 12 and 13 personnel. If you notice, there was a number 41 out there. Eli Manning didn't even know who that was on the Manning cast. That's how bad it was. That was Chris Myrick, who was promoted from the practice squad. And then Kyle Rudolph, pretty much the Giants threw deep down the field twice on Monday night. It was the play to John Ross that drew a pass interference, and it was the wheel route to Kyle Rudolph on the far side of the field. That gained 28 yards, and unfortunately, Rudolph left the game with an ankle injury 
uh, a couple of plays later. So those were the only two times they took shots. And quite frankly, Garrett deserved to get fired after this game. You, I'm just sitting there watching the Joe Judge press conference. I'm like, something's not right. Something's up. Normally, he's acting like Jason Garrett's our guy, job security. He didn't do that in this press conference. And it led to this point. And as LPG would say, quoting him here, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the meeting room that features solely Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman. I would just love to see what goes on in that room. Yeah. And shout out to LPG getting on national television on Monday night. I think we all we all saw him and we were like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's license oh. plate guy. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had that picture. That that was damn interesting. literally spoke for every single Giant fan with that one stink gesture because, frankly, nine of ten years of losing football, we've had enough. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Look. If you're going to Dunkin' Donuts giving out gift cards every time the Giants win, your team's not winning enough. Uh, as nice as that is of him to do, hate to say it, but you know what? The Giants are so bad, they don't even deserve for me to wear their apparel tonight. Uh, I give props and credit to both of you for doing so. Uh, you know, I love the Giants. I got the, I got the sign in the back. I got the blanket in the back, but representing review and preview sports here tonight our fresh merchandise my hoodie finally came but look this first half i mean you could have went up to heat up some popcorn and come back and the giants were already down seven nothing that's how bad it was that they maneuvered down the field quite well and sam by the way i'm awfully sorry about your fantasy football team that's how bad this game was uh we'll get to that towards the end of the recap but chris godwin scores an early touchdown tom brady completes his first 10 passes what an onslaught, and then the Giants respond with a good first drive of their own. They do typically what they usually do. They move the ball down the field. They get a penalty that sets them back, forces them into a third and long, and then they throw like a five, six-yard pass when they need eight or nine, and they settle for a field goal, and that's exactly what happened. Graham Gano, 37-yard field goal, and then I think there was a play on this drive, Hank, that you pointed out. Kenny Galladay was wide open, and they threw a short intermediate route to Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I was looking at that. I saw it on TV, and I'm like, okay, please tell me. I'm going to pretend I did not just see that. Then I go scrolling through Twitter. I want to say it was Pennick who posted the clip of that, or it may have been another Giants fan. But, like, I'm like, why did he throw it at Tony? Like, Galladay is just right there. Nobody's covering him. Galladay catched it. He has an easy path to the end zone. Would have been a tie game. But again, I really don't know whether that was a Jones problem or whether that was just the play that was designed by Jason Garrett. Low-key, I kind of want to go to the latter. But again, it, it really it was just one of those things that really made me sick to my stomach. And I, that was kind of the moment where I knew this game wasn't going to be ours. I it's agree. Such a rough watch. Thank Thanksgiving came three days too early for the Giants. Um, I'll say that much. They turned it over way too much. We have some comments. Garth Michael Patrick, get the Notre Dame gear on. They're making a late push. Also, what is up, guys? Happy early Thanksgiving, Garth. Happy early Thanksgiving to you as well. I'm sorry about your Gators. Hopefully they win this week to make a bowl game. But, yep, my Irish are now sixth in the college football playoff rankings. Hopefully the Giants draft a couple of good players from some of these top schools. Uh, in the college football playoff this year. But 
And Andy says, I'm not sorry about your fantasy team, Sam. Would you like to retort? You know what, Andy? You know I was winning this week. You know I was winning. The Giants just stink that much. So in my book, this is a win. (laughs) Shots fired. You know what really stuck out to me in this game? And it's a player who stuck out to me almost every game this year. If there was one player on defense that did have a good game on Monday night, it was Adoree Jackson. I remember the Giants are down 10-3, and then the pass, Brian McArdle texted me right after this pass that was just muffed by Mike Evans. It was a little screen pass to the far side of the field. Evans can't handle the pass. Adoree Jackson picks it off, and then the Giants score their only touchdown of the night where Jones throws a nice little uh, play action to Andrew Thomas, who was in as an eligible receiver, shades of the two-point conversion last year in week five against Dallas. So they brought that, that was play about the, the toolbox. only good play call I'll give Jason Garrett that night. That's it. And even then, that was a gift. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I would say that that was, I mean, first of all, we love to see a fat man score. That is just, you know, it's just fantastic. Whenever linemen score, it is some of the highlights of, of Sundays and, and prime times. But the fact that Andrew Thomas was our only touchdown of the night should be very telling to you. The fact that we've been talking about Tony, we've been talking about Galladay, we've been talking about Rudolph, two of which do not have a touchdown yet as a New York Giant, which is ridiculous to think about. That should just go to show we love Andrew Thomas. We're so happy he's back from his injury. We're so happy he scored that touchdown. But that should be very telling as to how this offense was called in this game and how our receivers are being so underutilized. It is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Jason Garrett's offense would have worked 20 years ago, and that's being generous. Bill Parcells was the first guest on the Manning cast Monday night, and they even asked him, would your coaching philosophies work in today's NFL? He said, probably not. No. Probably not. He would have to adapt a little bit. You can't run the ball. 30 times a game with Otis Anderson or Joe Morris anymore. You can't do that. You can't throw play action every single play that you throw the football. You have to go spread sometimes against a porous secondary like Tampa Bay, and they didn't do it. And, yes, Noah, you are correct. He has more touchdowns than Odell Beckham Jr., and I love it. Thick six, Andy (laughs) Hopper says, play of the year. Uh, Andy, thank you for losing on Sunday so that the Giants – could continue to get a better first round draft pick. And we really are looking forward to the battle of the backups tomorrow. Andy Dalton against oh, yeah. Tim Boyle. Uh, let's go Lions. Hey, Calling let's it get here. Um, Lions will win. Lions will win their first game of the season tomorrow. Let's get former giant legend Dan Campbell, his first head coaching win too, while we're at <laughs> it. Absolutely. Hank, what pissed you off in this game? Because there's one common trend about the Giants. They can't cover tight ends. And late in the first half, Rob Gronkowski was wide open for a 35-yard catch. Why on earth was he left wide open? Because I, this led to a Ronald Jones score. I I was watching this. Again, I was, like my mom was like with me live like as I was watching this. Even she was like going to me. And she's like, how is Gronk wide open? And granted, I know my mom doesn't watch all that much football, but like, when she points out that Rob that Gronk had like such an easy first down pass, that tells you all you need to know 
about that poor Giants effort. And that was probably the second red flag in that game that told me there was no way the Giants were going to come back and win this game. So, and, and you you just knew Tampa was going to score a touchdown on, on that yeah. drive. It looked like they were taking candy from a baby the way their offense was going. It, it, it was awful. And then to just cap off the first half, the Darius Slayton fumble. And I think this was the nail in the coffin for the Giants. John Mara's eyes, it took the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense to finally open John Mara's eyes to see the daylight and realize that maybe you should fire your good buddy, Jason Garrett. Don't get me wrong. Jason Garrett, great guy off the football field. I'd love to sit down at at dinner with him tomorrow and have a conversation with him. That's football related. But as far as being our offensive coordinator, no can do anymore. He wasn't handpicked by Joe Judge. He wasn't an offensive coordinator for 10 years. 2009 was the last year he was an OC. And the fumble by Darius Slayton was just the icing on the cake. Were the Giants trying to run the clock out? Were the Giants trying to score? It seemed like they were trying to do both at once, which is the story of the past decade. They're trying to rebuild and win at the same time, and you just can't do it. Yeah. No, that that fumble was horrible. And the fact that it came out, then the – I forgot who it was that was trying to – retrieve it and then he dropped it and it was just a complete mess of a play but that was probably one of the biggest plays of the game that was just completely dropped it it, it, like if we made that I mean that was a beautiful throw by Jones and in and it if it if it touches your hands you should catch it that's the bottom line and it was there and he had it and he dropped it and that that play is one of the you know, one of those really important plays that need to happen in order for us to win a game because it's it, it's bad that the Giants have come down to the fact that if you mess one thing up, it's the entire game for you. There's you can't capitalize off anything. The, the penalties, the Buccaneers have like three or four pass interference penalties because their secondary is like completely ruined. Why were we not capitalizing on this on these penalties? It's just absolutely ridiculous. And we talked about them not capitalizing on interceptions either, which thankfully we actually did so that we could actually put points on the board. But capitalize off these penalties. That's what pass interference literally puts you at the place of the penalty. We should be using yeah. that. It's so frustrating. It is frustrating. And the second half got even more frustrating. Jones threw a big 28-yard pass to Kyle Rudolph and then the fourth and one. Um that was the third thing that pissed me they off. They probably should have kicked the field goal there. I know all three of us attended the Tom Coughlin School of Coaching, and there's some instances where you should go for it, where it's the Bucks. There's other instances where you should take the points, and the game was still within reach. The defense was playing better. They probably made the right call going for it on fourth and one, but the play design was awful. And with the offensive coordinator that the Giants have, they should have just kicked the field goal. You know, they should have they should have just kicked it. Here's my issue with the play. It wasn't going for it on fourth and one. And like you said, generally speaking, I'm okay with just taking the points. But in a game against the Buccaneers, I can understand going for it on fourth down. This is defending Super Bowl champion. This is a team that has Tom Brady as your as the quarterback. I get that. Mm-hmm. My issue, you have Saquon Barkley as your runner running back. Why is Colin Johnson one of the wide receivers? And not only that, why on earth are you throwing the damn ball in that situation? Like, just the whole execution of that play was the problem. Not going for it. But, again, 
that's just another reason in this game why a certain ginger who was our offensive coordinator no longer has a job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brew had the Giants plus 11. Uh, great, Brew. great guy off the football field. Man, I've heard that before. Um, <laughs> that's that's Donald Hill. Freddie Kitchens taking over. How confident are we in him? Well, I think we're going to see more throws downfield as we saw in the Cleveland game last year, but I am a little iffy. Sam, I know you're a little iffy as well. Yeah. He he just – the I know that there's the whole idea that as a head coach, it's kind of hard to, you know, just kind of throw the guy away. In Cleveland, obviously, he did not do that great. But when these guys, a lot of, like, head coaches that aren't great move on into a coordinating job, they seem to do a lot better example Todd Bowles he's thriving as a defensive coordinator so I'm a little I just I'm a little nervous in the fact that yes he has been within our organization for like what two years now like he's he's familiar with it but he's been focusing on the running backs and the tight ends which are two things that like like we shouldn't be focusing on we should be focusing on the receivers right like those are the ones that are asking for targets those are the ones are, who haven't even scored a touchdown yet this year. So that's the one thing that's making me a little nervous. I feel like he might kind of fall back on things that he's comfortable with, i.e. the running backs and the tight ends. But I don't think he's going to be awful. I think that this is always going to be something that is a step up from Jason Garrett. But, again, there's also growing pains. You know, going into this game, yes, it's going to be a learning curve because you can't just jump into a position and automatically be, be good at it. It's just that's just not how life works. So yep. I think that there's going to be, you know, a little bit of a up and down situation, but hopefully for the rest of the season, at least it, it only goes up because who knows who will be our coordinator by next year. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't I don't know if it's necessary. I don't think he's necessarily going to be the permanent offensive coordinator because it's late in the season. You're not going to go out of the organization. You might as well use Fred, Freddie Kitchens. And as I said in my video, when I talked about the Jason Garrett firing, if you looked at some of his play calling in the Cleveland Browns game, now granted the Giants got clobbered in this game, 27 to six. There were moments where he was spreading the ball around. And another thing to keep in mind, this is the first time he's being an offense coordinator during game with Daniel Jones as quarterback. Remember that was a game that Colt McCoy had to start because Daniel Jones had that ankle injury. So I really don't think he can be any worse than what we previously had. But I, the way I see it, he's just somebody that you're going to have like the rest of the season, season riding all that. I'm not really getting too emotional about having Freddie Kittens as my new offense coordinator. Yeah. Well, to wrap this recap up, the interception to Steve McClendon was just nasty. It's one of those plays where you just throw the ball away or take a sack. Um, and then the pick led to a Bucks field goal, and then another interception thrown by Jones, two in this game, and the Bucks win by a final score of thirty to ten. Uh, look, there are a lot of cons in this game. The, the Giants ten points scored, their lowest total of the season, three turnovers. It's not Thanksgiving yet, guys. Um, Daniel Jones was hit nine times. His offensive line was in shambles yet again. Nate Solder starting at right tackle. Billy Price starting at center without Vita Vea. They abandoned the game plan. They couldn't run the football much because they couldn't defend the Bucs. Uh, the Slayton fumble we mentioned, Barkley being a non-factor, 25 rushes, uh, 25 yards on just six rushes. Rudolph injury, Caden Smith injury, Logan Ryan's presence was missed with being out due to COVID. It showed in the secondary. And the only sack the defense got 
was when Blaine Gabbert, Gabbert came in in garbage time. There was no pass rush at all. Brady was stout in the pocket. He threw for 300 yards and two scores. Evans, Gronk, and Godwin, the big three, were tearing us up. And the Giants were outgained 402 to 215. Explain that for me. I think we already we can't. explained who's responsible for that. <laughs> we can't we can't explain it. We really can't. Um it's rough. It's rough. Patrick Graham's not innocent either. I mean, this is the no. fifth time this year the Giants have given up over four hundred yards of offense. It's sad. We we've been singing Patrick Graham's praises like last year and and in the off season and like to be fair that I think the defense kind of you know I mean th- without a Dory Jackson's interception who knows if we even would have put points on the board but yeah. obviously our defense is stronger than our offense but it hasn't been perfect. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Second game in a row the defense gives up a touchdown on the first drive. Uh, the Bucks held the ball for 35 minutes and the Giants have not only lost their last nine regular season games against defending Super Bowl champs, but they're also winless in their last 10 primetime games, eight of them with Daniel Jones as QB. So more negatives. But let's get into the few positives that there were. We saw all the offensive linemen tweeting when Andrew Thomas scored that touchdown. Dave Deal, Sean O'Hara, you name it. They love the play. I love the play. First time a Giants O-lineman scored a TD since 1960. Uh, That's awesome. It is remarkable. Love it. Hank, do you know the player who scored in 1960? Did you go that far in your uh, dictionary? No, I couldn't figure that out. I would imagine it's probably maybe it could have been Roosevelt Brown or Ray Wyatteka. I'm not sure. Those were – those were offensive linemen the Giants had during like the glory days when their defense first came on the screen. <laughs> Why is everyone coming for me in the comments? A lot of I do need a drink. I could right go for now. a beverage. This is just straight caffeine I'm drinking right now. Yeah, Hill usually loves to troll, but he's not trolling that much tonight. Uh, I'm interested if he'll troll us a little bit later, but. Uh, the defense has recorded at least one takeaway in every game this year, 12 consecutive games. That is the NFL's longest streak. So even though the defense gives up a lot of points, they're still getting at least one takeaway in every game. Uh, and that leads us to our New York Giants player of the week. Well, in a game where everybody played bad, who can you give player of the week to? Well, it's really sad that we've come to this resort, but we had to do it because I actually thought – Scoring aside, he had a pretty darn good game, and it's our punter, Riley Dixon. There could only be one redhead on the New York Giants. Sorry, Jason Garrett. Riley Dixon has had a career year, averages over 46 yards a punt. Um, He's also the fourth longest tenure Giant. I didn't know this. That's how sad this organization is. Um. Only predecessors to him were Shepard, Ingram, and Solder, who are probably all on their way out. So, but the big stat I want to point out, three of his four punts were down inside the 20-yard line, and the Giants' offensive drives that were bad were the three turnovers and the fourth and one that they didn't convert. So Riley Dixon actually hit a lot of these punts when the Giants were still in the football game. So that's why we all decided to give him player of the week. Sam, I know you kind of reluctantly agreed to it, but 
Um, I'm more just the fact that the game was like, well, it was also you texted that like Monday night, like right after the game had ended, and I was processing my feelings. But I mean, yeah, there was nobody I I could. The thing was, I was like, oh, I'll offer somebody else, and I physically, other than like Andrew Thomas, maybe for scoring the touchdown, I couldn't think of anybody who had a consistently good game. So. I mean, he did great, though. I mean, good good for Riley Dixon, our punter, being our player of the week this week. Lovely. Uh, any comments on Riley Dixon? Uh, this is sad stuff. That had to be James or Kyle. I don't know which one <laughs> of you it was. Dixon the GOAT from Noah. We all know the Eagles are going to beat the Giants this weekend. Well, we'll talk about that in just a few moments. Uh, I don't know if I could give it to Andrew Thomas. Uh he did score the touchdown, but I don't think his pass blocking was what that, it was before the injury. That's kind of but, what I was thinking, too. Yeah. So, Riley Dixon's our player of the week. Let's get that off the screen because that wasn't even worth showing. But we showed it anyway because we're nice. You put so much work into it with all your fun little yeah. stickers on it. <laughs> it took me all but two minutes to make. He's um, one of your favorites. He's one of your favorites, too, so I don't play. He's my second favorite player on the team. There you go. By the way, Raymond Johnson the third quietly had his first career sack in this game. And Hank, you put this in the notes, and I couldn't believe you put this there. I'm pretty sure this was you. I don't want to it assume was. it was. Really? 150 yep. career games for Kyle yep. Rudolph? Yep. <laughs> Congrats, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I'm trying to. See, in a game that was so bad, I'm trying to dig numbers for even the little positive thing. I'm I'm sorry, guys. All right, quickly, two more minutes before we bring up our guest. Um, key takeaways. We were flat. Coming off a bye, had two weeks to prepare for this game. The team was flat. We already talked about Devontae Booker. Should have been used more in this game. Vita Vea was out. Giants did not take advantage of that. Devontae Booker through 10 games is the Giants' leading rusher with 330 yards. That's pathetic. That's atrocious. That's embarrassing. Uh, Matt Pert didn't play. Nate Solder continues to start at right tackle. Uh, they're forced to do this because they're paying him all this money. Bad move by Gettleman. Final drive of the first half, the Giants, again, what are they trying to do? Run out the clock or score? We don't know. That's what bad teams do. The defense still can't stop the run. Missed Alvin Tomlinson. Giants fall to three and seven, and now they are last place in the NFC East, one game behind Washington and one and a half games behind the Philadelphia Eagles. And now the Giants currently hold two of the top seven picks in the 2022 NFL draft, which will lead us into tea time or turnover tea. And turnover we're tea. Make this very, very brief, and we're going to make a lot of our listeners mad, but Sam, I'd love to start with you on this one. What is the tea? The tea this week is that nobody is nobody's allowed to slander Daniel Jones. And and we all three of us agree on this, and people will say what they need to say, but all three of us are believers in Daniel Jones, and we are not appreciative of the fact that people have came for him after Monday night's game when it was not his fault that they lost that game. Did he play well? No. Did the team play well? No. Our offensive coordinator was literally fired because of the game. So 
I would just like to say, to make this very brief, Daniel Jones might not be the best quarterback in the league, but he has the potential to make this team a winning team. We have everything that we need on our offense to do that. And I am just so done with listening to people who hate on Daniel Jones. So, Tom and Hank, I will let you guys speak your piece. See this guy right here? That's my quarterback. I don't appreciate any slander either. I mean, if you're going to blame the quarterback solely for all the Giants' struggles, then, you know, that's fine. Just know you're not paying attention. Has the line been great either? I mean, you didn't have Andrew Thomas for the season? Heck no. And while we're at it, I should, I'm should. i also going to argue that Matt Peart should have been starting the whole season and Nate Solder should not have been playing, but that's a topic for another day. But if you look at a lot of the film with some of Daniel Jones' throws, throws, yes, I'll agree. He does make head scratchers. He does have, have those moments where you're like, why did he do that? But you want to know something? He also has those great throws. And we have seen that with a clean pocket, he can throw a touchdown, hence his nickname, Danny Dimes. And guess what? Do you want to know who else was slandered a lot early in his career? That would be this guy, Eli Manning. <laughs> that is so old. My gosh. <laughs> that is old. That's the OG jersey right there, Hank. Yeah. Yep. Had it since I was in pretty much in middle school. Yeah. Last thing I'm going to say, if, Hank, if, if your point is done, is there anything else you wanted to add on that? Nope. That's all I wanted to say. My moral of the story don't blame Daniel Jones. He's not the problem. Agreed. So here's my thing. Look, people are saying Jones has got to go. With what logic does that make sense, right? People look at the box score. And these Giants fans that don't even watch the game, they just look at the box score and they see two interceptions. Oh, well, he's not the guy. Daniel Jones has had two bad games this year, the Rams game and the Bucks game. Two of the better defenses in the NFL, probably two of the best. Uh, maybe the Bucks have fallen off a little bit with their secondary, but like Hank said, he makes a lot of amazing plays. Uh, every everyone played bad on Monday night, not just Jones, but the quarterback is usually the scapegoat. Uh, the guy's been sacked 21 times this year. He's probably sacked more if he's not a mobile quarterback, and he still has an 84 passer rating this season, despite all the adversity that he's dealt with. Uh, this guy rushed back from a concussion to play. That was when he had one of his two bad games. And then last night, deep ball accuracy, fifth best in the NFL, third down accuracy, third best in the NFL. Who is the real problem on this offense? It's Jason Garrett. Yes, it's the inability to draft good offensive linemen and the awful coaching around this whole football team. I mean, Jason Garrett's not the only coach. We can't just fully blame him. Yes, he's been fired, but... That's how I feel. Daniel Jones is our franchise quarterback. And look, there's no good quarterbacks in the draft next year anyway. So just stop. These people talking about Jones like this are the same people who are silent when he has a good game. And those were the same people that probably hated on Eli Manning back in the day. But, oh, well, that's the Giants fan base for, from, for you. You've got a fraction of the fan base that's pretty like toxic and negative. It is what it is. I, I just have to say just really quick, I would just disagree with Kyle about a few things. And one of them being the turnovers have decreased significantly um, mm -hmm. since Daniel Jones has started. So, yes, some same stuff, but there is definitely things that he's improved on over the years. All right, folks, well, enough on that.
<laughs> at this time, we are going to uh, take a little trip down memory lane. If I could just unpin this comment. And after this, we will bring up our guest. Um, just pulling up the little transition segment here to the great pleasure of our co-host, Hank and Victor. Oh, my God. I'm so Jordy, Jordy, welcome. Hello. That was a lovely little transition. Thank you guys so much for having me. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Uh, thank you so much for joining us um, a day earlier than we usually air the show. I had to do that to Hank. I know we're not playing in Philly this week. We're, we are playing in the Meadowlands, but I had to throw that shade at Hank. He hates that video. So Easy, Tom. We're going to play it. We're going to play it. I love it. But, uh, Jordan, how are you? Uh, talk about this Eagles game on Sunday. They actually looked pretty good. I know you were in attendance when they played the Saints, and I got <laughs> to give you credit where credit is due. The Eagles have been winning some tough football games. Yeah, no, I'm on cloud nine, and me and my friends have been talking about it a lot this week. Things just are better in South Jersey in the Philadelphia area when the Eagles aren't God awful. Like <laughs> people were holding doors for me in Wawa and like saying, oh, excuse me. And I was like, oh, my God, it's because the Eagles are winning. Like everyone's just happier. No one's aggressive. Like it, it's just a much better feeling being at that game. We picked my friend's dad. I'm lucky enough, has season tickets. So every year he's like, you guys can take them for whatever game you pick. So we picked this game just because our friends were also going. And in the beginning of the season, I was like, this is going to be terrible. Like, I was like, we're God awful. The Saints were starting to figure it out. And it ended up being such a great game because we finally are at that point where we were feeling the momentum shift and it's starting to feel more consistent and not just like a good game here and there. So the vibes in the link that day were out of this earth everyone was beyond happy it was absolutely incredible absolutely yeah for Eagles sure. are now five and six uh yes. which heading into this weekend that's very concerning hank yeah i know it is but jordy i have to ask okay. after another week with all your excitement with all your feelings on cloud nine and all your celebrations of a victory monday the next day are the Eagles now a legitimate threat to make the playoffs as a wild card? I see here's <laughs> if you ask Sam my thoughts during that Eagles Saints game, I texted Sam, I think right after halftime and said the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. So I okay. don't know if I spelled a single word correctly. Like she it was yeah, it was a long day leading up to that point, but that did happen in the middle of the Eagles game. Um, realistically sober, reacting now, <laughs> processing everything. I definitely think you can't count us out as wild cards. I don't want to get my hopes up for that too much. There are a lot of people doing the math. Eagles technically, technically still have a chance to take this division if a couple things, a lot of things have to happen. But I definitely think they're wild card contenders. I think they deserve to be in the conversation at this point, just because 
we keep getting better and better. And it seems like we're realizing what's working and we're realizing what isn't. And we're employing that week after week. Also, we don't get a plane for the rest of our schedule. We play in the Meadowlands twice because we play the Jets and you guys. And then we take Washington in Washington. We're home. And then we end our season against Dallas at home. So I think there are a lot of things in our favor that give us the opportunity to potentially be wildcard contenders. So I definitely think realistically they deserve to be in the conversation. I'm not saying it's a lock yet just because there are still big question marks, but I love everything I'm seeing. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that I definitely remember you saying a year ago when you were on this very show is that whenever the Eagles are an underdog, I think that's when they're the most dangerous. Am I wrong? Yes. No. Yeah. And I think everyone kind of counted us out and gave up on us for this season. And now it was my going into the season. All I said was I want to see improvement week after week. I didn't have any playoff expectations at all going like early on in this season. Right. I just wanted to see that Jalen Hurts had potential to be the guy. And I wanted to see if Nick Sirianni could be a long-term head coach for us. And I wanted to see how they work together. And that was really my main concerns going into the season and now seeing how quickly it's kind of built and it's fun to watch this team again. And you see the whole team kind of getting that underdog brotherhood mentality back. And you see the way everyone's kind of just bonding together and it's really special. Like the vibes are very good right now. So I definitely think it's a fair conversation to have. And if you asked me that a couple of weeks ago, I would have said it was crazy, but now I don't think you can count them out. I mean, the last time they were wearing underdog masks, they made it to the Super Bowl. and Exactly. And won, so. so if we get that underdog mentality back. Yeah. No, definitely. And they were. They were someone that I definitely wasn't even – I didn't even second-guess the Eagles. I was like, eh, not really too scared about them. But yeah. now they're they're on their way up here. Um, and you mentioned Jalen Hurts, which I'm very excited to be the one to ask you this question. Um, Jalen Hurts has obviously been on a bit of a tear lately. He's been improving over the past few weeks, started off a bit slow. So I've been a bit, a bit rocky since the beginning of his NFL career. What is your stance right now on Jalen Hurts? Like I said, all I wanted this season was to see us starting to move in the right direction. A couple of weeks ago, there was a period where I was like, panicking because I was like, I don't know if Jalen's the guy because I wasn't seeing any like movement. Like it just felt very stagnant. It felt like I was seeing a lot of the same mistakes. Now we're going into, we just finished up what week 11. Are we going into week 12 or is this week 11? I don't even know where I am. We're going into week 12. Yes. So now week 11 of the season done, he's getting better and better. I love everything I'm seeing. And I know a lot of people, They're more concerned with his arm and his throwing. We've seen that he has the arm to make good throws, stable throws. The one thing that I think still needs work is accuracy. I think a lot of throws are a little bit overthrown or underthrown. But the fact that he's getting more and more comfortable with that, and at the end of the day, like he didn't have a single throwing touchdown this weekend against the Saints. He also didn't have an interception. He he had three rushing touchdowns, so – I'm like, as long as you're getting the job done, that's what makes him. He's a dual threat quarterback. He knows what he has to do. And I just am now starting to see us. Like I said, I hate to be so redundant, but like I see the improvement and I see him working on things that he needs to get better on. So 
I am totally on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon. I just think he's an actual leader. And I feel like the team has faith in him and the team believes in him. And he doesn't seem to let the media and the ba- the negative talk around him affect him at all, like Carson Wentz kind of did. Because Philly's a very toxic – I heard you guys talking about how there's a small percentage of Giants fans that are very toxic – all of Philly media is toxic. Like (laughs) it's a very tough city to play in. So I think for him to be as strong-minded as he is and to kind of block that out and just focus on his game, it just shows that this is someone that can be here a very long time. So I love him. Like I'm, I would sell my soul for him right now. I don't want to think about another quarterback. I am on board with him. Will this last forever? Who knows? But for right now, going into next season, he is my quarterback, and he has my full respect and my full trust, and I love him. I mean, I yeah, like you were talking about him not throwing the ball that much. He only completed 13 passes in this game. Yeah. And, and but he we took s- off 18 times. Yes. So he rushed 18 for 69 yards but didn't even break 150 passing yards. So that should just go to show what kind of quarterback he's kind of and I mean, this working, was go- though. Yes, and this was going up against the top rush defense in the entire league. We put Mm -hmm. up, I believe it was 242 rushing yards just on the ground. They were only allowing about 72 per game prior to that. So I'm like, I don't care if he's throwing the ball, if he can figure out how to win games another way. That's why I wanted a dual threat quarterback. I obviously want him to continue to work on throwing the ball, and I obviously want that to be something that he focuses on a little bit. But at the end of the day, if we're winning games, I'm not going to complain about how we win them. Right. I love this. I love this so much because the fact that Jalen Hurts is playing well leads to Howie Roseman keeping his job, who is one of the worst GMs I've ever seen. So, yep. in fact, yep. I love that this is panning out. Uh, I'm sorry I have to bring that up. but No, it's get... okay. You guys, you need to get digs in at me. I, I let's, understand. Let's get, but I will admit – I don't like the Eagles, but they are playing very well right now. We have to give credit where credit is due. Birds might win by 50 on Sunday. Andy, you Andy. might be right. Andy, there, I Andrew, you. you need to take it easy, sir. Chill, Please. Dude. Uh, that week 14 bye will do the team good. Yes. Tom is just waiting to bash Philly. Um, Kyle Russo, I'd like to respond to you. Okay. Where has this been with Daniel Jones? <laughs> Everyone's been doubting Daniel Jones since day one. Kyle! (laughs) We just went through this. We just went through this. The play action and going under center has made him a better quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, I do agree with that. And I also think the addition of Devontae Smith has made him him a better quarterback, Jordan, because they finally gave him a legitimate number one wide receiver and Devontae Smith, who, quite frankly, has looked pretty good. What's impressed you the most about him so far? I just think it's also it's that same trend. He came into a very broken system where we haven't had a star receiver in a very long time. And realistically, I didn't know what to expect from this offense at all. And he's still early on. He found moments where he could shine and show us like, hey, like you drafted me and I'm going to be good. And now he has just become such a stable part of this offense and someone that Jalen can rely on so consistently. And for that relationship to build so quickly, I think it just like sets us up for in a very good way because it's only going to keep getting stronger and stronger. 
he also has that leadership mentality. And I know a couple weeks ago, there was a touchdown that Jalen Hurts, it should have been a touchdown, touchdown pass that was completely overthrown to Devontae in the end zone. And I saw later, Devontae went up to him and was like, here's what we should do to be able, so this doesn't happen again. So I think what makes him so special is also his relationship with Jalen, because when you have our young quarterback and our young star receiver, if they're going to have this fantastic relationship, which we know they already have, for that to just keep getting stronger and stronger, it's just going to be keep making them more lethal. And especially when the biggest question mark around Jalen Hurts is his throwing. To be able to have someone that strong and that consistent, it just makes me feel so much better about the whole thing. So I love everything about him. Before I get to Hank's next question, I just want to pull up this tweet from Andy Hopper. I'm going to click on the link through Facebook and share my screen because I, I know you might know what I'm referring to, but uh, just to just just for clarity, um, this woman at the Eagles game was screaming oh. at the top of her lungs. And I love is. this woman, Jordan. They put you on national television. They did. No, oh, I don't know where they got this footage of me, but. Um, <laughs> No, you can literally, I've never been able to like read a Delco accent before in my life. You can literally read the Pennsylvania Delco accent on this woman. Like intensely. And then it it later came out. Everyone was like, she has to be from Delco. And it came out confirmed. She is from Delco. (laughs) Is this woman, I think she's my mom. Like, I think that's my mom. Let's go, Chiefs. Paul, okay, thank ball. you for the comment. Um, yeah. Beating Dallas for us. Good. I love yes, you, Kyle. That. Um, I wonder who typed that out. Uh, whoever did does not have very good uh, grammar. Uh, incredible <laughs> that the Eagles' offense looks better when Sanders is getting more than nine carries a game and Hurts isn't throwing it 40 times. Exactly. Shocking, right? Like, oh my God, when we have star running backs and when we run the damn ball, it works. Who would have thought? Hank, I'm sorry. What's your question? Yeah, no, you're you're good. So I think the other big news for the Eagles, besides the big win that they had last Sunday, was Dallas Goddard and Avante Maddox are recently given contract extensions. Now, Jordy, my question to you is, what are your thoughts on, on these guys getting to center? Do you think this is a good move? Do you think these guys are going to help the Eagles in the long run? Yeah, Dallas Goddard was a must going into the season, and that was on my mind when Ertz was still on our roster. I wanted to lock Dallas in long-term just because I didn't want to get to – kind of like what we did with Milata. I didn't want to get to the point where we had to pay him so much money. Like, I wanted to get it done early. I wanted to give him what he deserved, and it was – a lot of money. He's getting Kittle money, but I honestly think he deserves it. And they came out after and they said, we paid him in the way because of the progression that he has made and the progression that we understand that he is going to make because he's another one that keeps getting better and better every season. And he he's our only like big guy on this offense to break tackles. And we haven't had someone like that in so long that's just young and fun and can grow on this offense. So he was my number one. We need to sign him throughout this season. Maddox was one that I was on the fence about, but then after the first couple weeks of the season, I was like, we need to get this deal done. Like I did not want to lose him. He has just 
flourished this season and he's gotten so much better and he's kind of found his own identity, which last season it was very hit or miss. And there was a lot of missed tackles and I was so frustrated with him this season. He has just stepped up so huge. So those are two guys. I'm very glad we got it done. I like the order it came in. I like glad that they got Dallas taken care of and then we're able to get Avante as well. So all is great. I love the direction we're going. Yeah, I agree. I know normally a year ago from now when we last talking, I remember you and I were both shitting on Howie Roseman and rightfully so. Don't get me wrong. But I think this is probably a smart move that he made. So I think I'm going to have to agree with you from from your perspective. I I think I can agree with you and I definitely see where you're coming from. Thank you. Yeah, it's very tough because I actually agree. Yeah. Yeah. He because Howie um, has been getting slightly better. Um, and I can't Ooh, even, I can't, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to remain that way, but I agree with all <laughs> of the moves. I think I loved our draft, our draft. I gave an a minus. The only pick I didn't like was our second round pick. And it's not even that I didn't like it. I just would have gone with Asante Samuel jr. Instead, mm-hmm. but, um, literally, and I like who we signing. I think the deals are very fair. So I really can't roast Howie that much right now which is weird. Mm-hmm. What, a concept. what a concept. What a concept. Nice to have a GM that knows how to do his job eventually over time. Okay. Um, well, we don't know. We don't know how long it'll last. <laughs> Wait, we have three first round picks. Realistically. Let's see what he does. With that's them. true. That's true. He That'll is be the maker notorious break. for messing up your drafts. Yes. Um, but the last question that we have for you is, um, has to do with your coach with, Mr. Sirianni out here doing his thing. Um, Obviously, you've had your ups and downs with him throughout this season. Uh, We did a show together on Halloween in which you were literally dressed up as the flowers that he alluded to when he was speaking to his team. Um, So do you think that, I mean, I know this is his first season. I know you're only 11 weeks in at this point. Do you think Nick Sirianni is the guy? Is he that person that's going to bring you another Super Bowl or another playoff run or, you know, anything for this Eagles team? I feel like I, it's still too early for me to fully, I definitely like him and it has been, it's been very up and down because before this season started, when he was talking about rock, paper, scissors at the draft, I was like, Oh no, what, what have we done? Like, I was like, does this man know where he is? And I was very nervous And then week one came out and we had this unbelievable offense. I was like, I would jump in front of a bus for this man. Then weeks two through five, I was like, he needs to go. I'm done now. And not actually, but I was just very frustrated with everything I was seeing. Now it seems like he is getting more comfortable and it seems like Jalen Hurts trusts him and he's actually figuring out what works on the offense and is doing that consistently. And he's not playing creative, like he's playing smart football, which is all I wanted. So I'm going to say I respect Nick Sirianni right now. I, I'm not bashing him at all. I love the direction we're going And I just want to see more. I just think it's too small of a sample size, given how quick it was up and down and then up again. I want to make sure the up is going to stay and then flatten and just I want to be good consistently. So I think it'll be more towards the end of next season where we see officially if he is a long term guy. But as of right now, the only 
I'd honestly say my biggest red flag is Gannon, our defensive coordinator. And our defense is also getting better. It took a little bit longer, but he's the biggest question mark to me right now. So Nick Sirianni, I honestly, I kind of like him. He's a quirky dude. Very <laughs> weird, but it, it could work. Yeah. It seems to be working. Young, too, which is what you like yes. to see. Yes. Connects with the players well. Um, but to your point on Devontae Smith, the last question I asked, I got to say, and Daniel Bakley get, uh, brings up a good point, also an Eagles fan, by the way. Uh, Slay has Smith under his wings. I guess that's a pun intended yes. in practice and has challenged him as a player. <laughs> and Smith has noted that in some of his recent play. Well, Slay had a pick at a 51 yard pick six on Sunday, and Devontae Smith has been playing really, really well. So I think the two of them going up against each other has really benefited to the Eagles' success. I mean, Definitely. they just put up 40 points on the New Orleans Saints. It's not easy to yeah. do. Um, Darius Slay said that after every practice and every game, Devontae will go to him and be like, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? And it's just kind of like – it's and it's a weird thing because you would think normally you would have a veteran receiver kind of coaching a young receiver – but I think this dynamic honestly could work better because Darius Slay is going to know what Smith has to do out there, and he's going to know the guys that he's going up against. So I think things like that are going to be what kind of just helps us keep getting to that next level. So I love that relationship. And Darius Slay has been phenomenal. He's had three touchdowns in his last four games. Like the, the – and there were people when we signed him that said it wasn't worth it, blah, blah, blah. He has just come so into his own. And I think he's falling in love with Philadelphia. And he just fits here so well. So I can't say enough good things about Darius Slay right now. Yeah. He really fills in all the check boxes, right? When you look at yeah. uh, cornerback number one, for me at least. Just want to roll through a couple more comments before we start to preview this game against the Giants. The review and preview admins are wild tonight. That <laughs> we are. Uh, Goddard is very underrated. Coming yes. from a Patriots fan, by the way. Wow. Uh, I don't know if we remember this comment from a, a year yes, ago. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Life-saving. I uh, totally uh, remember that. That was so, the one yeah. that got us all into that epic laugh attack, no? Yes. I yes. think so. Uh, yeah, That was the one that we clicked down and put on YouTube. It was awesome. Yes. No, and I will. I will. I, I, my life savings will be on birds minus three and a half because birds were two and a half favorites against the Saints. Yeah. And I was like, I think we're going to win by a touchdown. Little did I know we we're going to be like good. But, you know, sorry, Giants people. You're good. Last year, Jordan, we had you on the show. The Eagles were in first place. After that show, let's just say. Things. It did not go well for me. Let's let's hope things go differently this year. Not really, but sure. Hopefully, hopefully uh, we tread <laughs> upward instead of downward. Spe <laughs> speaking of this comment, Sam, I saw Gabe on Saturday night in a bar, just <laughs> randomly saw him, did not know he was going to be there. And I'm like, you know what? Your Vikings are going to win tomorrow. They're going to beat the Packers. And that's who the Eagles are competing with for the seventh seed. It's the Minnesota Vikings because they look really good it right now. It always comes down to sudden. us against the Vikings. <laughs> it always, we're always in this weird thing with the Vikings. Roseman <laughs> needs to be GM of the Phillies. I don't want to give him like too much credit. Uh, like I just, no, I'm not, no. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> Fire Gettleman. Agreed. Yeah. 
who knew Roseman would yeah. outlast Gettleman? That Maybe definitely was that, not on Jeffrey, my 2021 bingo yeah. card, as Jordan yeah. Leslie yeah. Laurie. <laughs> that is one of my lines. <laughs> flower power. Oh yeah, I had my uh, flower headband in my hair at the game this weekend. Eagles are, <laughs> I mean, Eagles are three and one since the flourishing press conference. So. Maybe we are budding. Maybe it's what they needed. Yeah. Falcons fan in the comments. Oh, so, sorry about week one. That's yeah. when I really thought Eagles wow, were going to the yeah. Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, who knew letting the corners play up would work? Yeah, that. You, do you run a press man scheme? I think so. Yeah. I know the Giants do it. It doesn't yeah. work as good for us. but uh, You know, our corners, which was one of our biggest holes the last couple seasons, they it's – it's working. Whatever they switch to is working. So just keep it's it up. time to preview Giants Eagles week 12. Uh, here we go. Three and seven against five and six uh, at MetLife. Eagles are coming off two wins against the Broncos and the Saints. Last year, we split the 2020 series. Giants won the second matchup. Eagles won the first off the infamous Evan Ingram Butterfinger drop. Um, Giants have only won two home games this season. And what's really special about the game this weekend, folks, is that Michael Strahan's number 92, who Hank is donning tonight, will be retired in front of about five to 10,000 Eagles fans. Um, awful decision by Giants ownership to do this against a team that is not only a divisional opponent, a team that is 90 miles down the New Jersey Turnpike. And you know there's going to be people booing him when he walks out. What logic is Camara yeah. using? I, I really don't want it to, to be the way that Eli got inducted into our Ring of Honor, and it literally was just it was just a mess. It was just horrible. We lost the game. It was disgusting. And now we have Philly fans coming into MetLife. I mean, like not like we're, you know, it's their state. You know, Jersey is basically <laughs> Pennsylvania. So, South Jersey. <laughs> South Jersey, that's true. Um, but yeah, I just I hope that this isn't as brutal as I feel like it will be. Well, it's funny. You know what I often thought of the Giants Eagles rivalry is like not in New York and Philadelphia, more like kind of seems to me like a rivalry of Boardwalk Empire and uh, the Sopranos because you know, North and South Jersey. <laughs> <gasps> Wait, that's hysteric. No, I feel like that is like how it is, right? Yes, yeah. Hank. I know you have some historical fun facts for us that are not very fun for us Giants fans, but why don't you read them off to the folks and the listeners? Yeah, no. So the Eagles, as a matter of fact, a couple years ago, took the lead in the season series, and they are now up on that with the record of 89, 87, and two ties. And as a matter of fact, you know the Giants have had minimal success against the Eagles when – we haven't won consecutive games against you guys since sweeping you in 2007 and winning the first game against you in 08. Don't mention that playoff game to me. That's one of my least favorite playoff losses in my lifetime for the Giants. But in any event, really ever since a certain incident with a certain big-handed wide receiver who wore number 17 happened, I believe the Giants have only won about four or five or six games against the Eagles. So that, I think, is where the Giants really are cursed in the rivalry. Just my, my take on it. 
there's nothing to say. And the Patriots fan gets a little triggered. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> what a big, diverse well, group of fans. Well, at least there's some gold mining in my fun facts. And we really attract fans of other teams fairly well. But uh, all right, let's get into some keys. Appreciate the love, Andy. Yeah, let's get into some keys for the game. And Jordan, I'd like to start with you as our guest here tonight. Uh, what is your key to the game for Philadelphia, or multiple if you have? How are they going to beat the Giants, a team that is getting healthier as of recent? Yeah, and especially after last week, we had a major blow losing Jordan Howard. I It honestly really concerned me. But then I remembered something. We have Boston Scott on our roster, and wow. Boston Scott against the Giants is just – a beautiful thing, really. It's it's <laughs> truly fantastic. So my key for this game is give Boston Scott the ball as much as humanly possible and just let him fly. And Eagles will win this game because I don't know what he is. He's always good. He's always a great receiver or a great running back. For some reason against the Giants, he becomes like an all-star. So as I'm not even worried. We got Miles Sanders back. Jordan Howard is going to be missed. Um, but for right now, if we can just give the ball to Boston Scott, I feel very comfortable in this game. Fair. Very fair. <laughs> and, well, hey, New Yorkers always seem to have a problem with Boston, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to know what's funny? Is my, my key to the game is stop the run. So there you go. That's yeah. very telling as to um, how Jordan and I's brain works, figuring that we share collectively. Brain yeah, collectively. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I literally wrote down, please stop the run because we first of all, we also have to establish our own run game. But that's uh, that's a different thing for a different day. We don't have time to unpack all of that. Ugh. But we, we really just need like like Jordan said, Boston Scott does very well against the Giants and we really need to just plug up the holes make sure they don't get a lot of yards make sure that they can't literally run all over us and that that's going to be a big thing especially because our defense is stronger than our offense we do need to defensively stop the other team from scoring points a concept so I would have to say that stopping the run is the Giants key to this game all right and my next well, if you know me by now, I think you know what I'm going to say. First off, get off the field on third down. I mean, look, it's it's simple enough. Every, I'm not even going to go to this year. I can think of almost every single Giants loss to the Eagles where a big difference in those games were the Eagles getting a critical first down when they were facing third and 10, third and five, third and whatever you want to call it. Those are That's always a big difference between a Giants win or loss in fact, I think the biggest example is a certain game I went to on December 19th, 2010. But we're not going to talk about that. I still get PTSD thinking about that game. But anyways, another one of my keys to the game, keep the penalties to a minimum. I know it wasn't – I don't know if it was necessarily an issue this past week, but, like, the Giants, if you looked at the game against Kansas City, that's an example for the Giants taking way too many penalties. There are other games against the Eagles where they've lost because of certain undisciplined moments. That cannot happen. I agree. We do have a couple more comments from the peanut gallery here. Uh, 
Eagles need to run the ball and test the linebackers. I agree because Blake Martinez is out for the season. Really hurts. Um, our linebackers are not good. In fact, they've never been good since literally we we're talking about it last week. Sam Huff, when he passed away, sadly, probably our best interior linebacker of all time. Giants haven't had a good interior linebacker since Antonio Pierce. I mean, a stretch would be Michael Bowley and maybe Chase Blackburn, right? Who's been good since then? Blake Martinez. That's been our best one, and he's not available. This guy's a riot. Key to the game, scoring more points than the other team by the end of the <laughs> You got it, Noah. No. Yes. You got it. That's yes. the key. He's a smart man, uh, Deshaun Jackson. Also, quick shout-out to Noah. Make sure to check him out. Friday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, him and Garth Michael Patrick host the Sweet Tea Show where they talk all things college football on Facebook Live. Uh, my key to the game, well, just to build off your point, Sam, the Eagles average 153 rushing yards a game. We have to stop the run. Danny Shelton and Austin Johnson were both signed to one-year deals for a reason. They suck. Uh, they're not good at stopping the run. Austin Johnson is decent. Danny Shelton is not. Eagles are averaging 27 points per game. For me, it's two. You have to pressure Jalen Hurts. We have Leonard Williams, five and a half sacks on a season. Aziz Ojolari, a diamond in the rough, five and a half sacks as a rookie. Quincy Roche, who the other state in Pennsylvania somehow let go from their final 53-man roster, has now been a good addition for us. And adding Ellerson Smith into the fold at the edge rusher position is going to be key because we're probably not going to have Lorenzo Carter. And who cares about O'Shane Zimenez? He's irrelevant. In fact, he's lost his ex nickname. Xavier McKinney is ex now. That's um, give it to you. This is true. Um, one other key for me is get the ball to Kadarius Tony. I think Guinea Galladay is going to be on lock. Is going to be on lockdown with Darius Slay. I don't think he's going to catch many passes. He only catches passes on slants anyway, so good job on wasting a boatload of money. Get Kadarius Tony the ball because he can make people miss over 280 yards after the catch this season. That is the highest among rookie receivers. And get him the ball because I think if there's one weakness on the Eagles' defense, that's where it is because I'm not so confident about running the ball up the middle with Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave up there. They're going to stuff Barkley. They're going to make Billy Price look like an ant. At the end of the night, that is Jordan. That is our least favorite giant, Billy Price, our starting center. We're all in alignment. He's awful. He's so he bad. Really is awful. So bad. Um, the worst part to, is we have BJ Hill for him. So bad. That kills me. Not to rant here, folks, but <laughs> that is what it is. And we're going to transition into players to watch now because I know we're on time constraints tonight. It's Thanksgiving Eve. We all want to get out of here and enjoy some Thursday night football. Uh, I'm sorry, tonight's Wednesday. I'm thinking it's Thursday because that's usually <laughs> that's when we, we have the show. Have do. <laughs> what am I thinking? Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, We're all on up, holiday brain right now. I should give up my hosting duties immediately. Oh, okay. uh, anyway, players to watch. Jordan, um, can you give me one or two players to watch from the Eagles and then one for the Giants that you think are going to be key to Sunday's matchup? Yeah, I Definitely. From the Eagles, I really want to see Steven Nelson because, like you said, Darius Slay is going to be up against Kenny, Gall Kenny Galladay. So I just want to make sure Steven Nelson can step up and get the job done in his own right because Darius Slay, we've all seen him. We've watched him. 
We trust him. We can let him go out there and do his thing. Now I want to make sure, and Steven Nelson's had bright moments, but this is someone that I want us to have our eye on and just make sure that he is stopping because if our offense has been explosive. So if we can score points and then hold you guys, that we're going to be able to do what Andy said and go win by 50. So it's going to come down to the other guys on defense stepping up as well. And now I really – we know Boston Scott, yeah, great against the Giants, whatever. Without Jordan Howard now, I really want to see if Gainwell can step up as well just because we have relied so heavily on the run. And if Jordan Howard – I don't know the severity of it. I know – I thought it was his neck from the looks of the injury. It's later come out that it is his knee. Apparently, it's not that bad. It's just a sprain. It could only be a couple weeks, but it could be the rest of the season as well, depending on how he's healing. So – I really want to see how Kenneth Gainwell is going to step up because he is very up and down. So I want to make sure that our, our run game is going to be able to remain consistent. So these are two guys that I really need to kind of, they have some big shoes to fill. Also, Dallas and Avante Maddox, keep showing us why we paid you. Keep being fantastic. Love it. And then did you say one from the Giants? Oh, from the Giants, let's let's watch Kadarius Tony because I love him. I really do for you guys. I think he's great. Um, and by watch him, I mean I want to watch him to make sure that my defense can stop him because he is <laughs> sneaky. He's very good, and he's sneaky. So I want to make sure that we can figure him out because if Daniel Jones can get to him a couple times, that it could be dangerous for us. So let's just keep him on lock. For sure. Right. Yeah. Sam, you're up. So for Philadelphia, believe it or not, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts in terms of players to watch here, mostly because of how um, much of a dual threat that he is. Like we know that he can do both things and we know that he can throw the ball when he needs to. And we're talking about the run game and how good Boston Scott is, but Jalen Hurts is very good at running the ball as well. So um, I would definitely say we have to keep an eye on him because he has been on the rise and, you know, the momentum keeps an object in motion. So I think that Jalen Hurts is definitely going to be someone to look out for. And on the Giants side, I'm going defensive because I really just don't know if our offense is going to be very powerful this Sunday. So I'm going with the Dory Jackson just because he made such a big play for us this past weekend. And I think that he is, um, one of our best free agent pickups at this point in time. Like we really, I mean, I know we have Kenny Galladay, but we haven't been utilizing him. So Adoree Jackson is definitely someone that I want to look out for and is hopefully going to make more turnovers, more interceptions, um, to help us out a little bit because apparently we can't do it on our own. So Adoree Jackson. All right. I like those choices. So for the Eagles side, I might as well start off with Dallas Goddard. Now, you'd think I'd say Devontae Smith is the offensive weapon that the Giants need to keep an eye on. And he is. Don't get me wrong. Good wide receiver. Very explosive. Why am I saying da Dallas Goddard? Simple. Giants can't cover tight ends. Yep. And last time we played you guys, even though we won, the one, Rogers. The one downside was where – yes, Correct. Richard Rodgers was the one guy that really had a good game against the Giants last time. So, yeah, because based on past, past results, I'm going to have to go with the tight end on your side. Now, That's for the fair. Giants, on who I think is going to be needed to watch, I'm going to go with Leonard Williams because 
Last week, he had probably, or excuse me, last Sunday, he had what I would probably consider his worst game of the season. He had only three tackles. The whole unit wasn't pressuring Tom Brady, and it showed. And I'd like to see him step it up and redeem himself. And who knows? Maybe this is the this is the week where they'll do it. If it's it has to be if it's against the Eagles, because you know the big rivalry. I I would think that's enough of a motivational factor. No, but. Definitely have to go with Leonard Williams because other than last week, he's really had a good year, all things considered. Absolutely. Uh, Daniel says Eagles need to watch out for Ingram. I don't know about that, especially if Rudolph and Smith are both out. Uh, I think Ingram is a liability for us. Daniel (laughs) also said sweat on defense and Goddard on offense for the Eagles. I do agree with both of them. Hank in 2037, the Giants can't cover tight ends. Lord, I'm in my 40s by that point. Mine for Philadelphia, um, it's two players that pretty much play the same position. It's Fletcher Cox and it's Javon Hargrave. Hargrave, six sacks, leads the Eagles. And Fletcher Cox, 14 uh, solo tackle and six QB hits. He's the second longest tenured Eagle. And I think they're both going to stuff the run. Giants are not going to be able to run behind Billy Price and Matt Scarra and Will Hernandez. And I don't think – I think the sacks are going to come from the interior. I think Thomas is going to do his job. I think Solder's going to hold his own because uh, I, I think Brandon Graham's out for the season. Is, is that right? Yes. So, yeah. realistically, I'm looking at – so much. Yeah, he's such a good player. Good uh, player that the Giants have not succeeded against throughout the course of the year. So I'm kind of happy that he's not playing, but obviously I wish him the best on his recovery. Uh, but man, that those two players in the trenches scare me a lot, uh, probably even more than hurts in this game. Uh, but for me, for the Giants, Jordan said, Tony, that was a good one. Sam said a Dory. Hank, you went Leonard Williams. You know what? I'm going to go with Xavier McKinney because if there's any player on the defense that's going to be able to cover the tight end, it's him. You can bring him in the box formation, eighth man in the box, cover Goddard off that. Um, Yeah, I mean, McKinney's my – the fact that I'm struggling over this is sad. That's how sad this Giants team is. Um, Galladay's not going to be a player to watch. I mean, he'll be a player to watch, but is he really going to be because he's going to be blanketed? Barkley, eh, can Kitchens find a way to use him? I don't know. So McKinney, for me, the four picks and the seven passes defended, he continues to shine and improve, and with Peppers out for the season, and Logan Ryan, status on shore with COVID, we don't know if he's going to play, or if he does play, if he's going to play his full allotted normal snap count, McKinney's going to be a guy to watch. Um Man, we got to get some production out of the five tech position on Sunday. That, that really worries me. Thank goodness this game is at one o'clock. By the way, Giants have never won a game four twenty-five or later with Jones as the quarterback. Um, Wonderful. Ever. Fact, ever. The last two and a half years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Giants. His first start was a win. Okay. That was a four o five start at the Bucks. Okay. But 425 and later, it's past his bedtime. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. He got Sorry. good sleeping on these. Two of yeah. a, turns into a pumpkin. Two of a goody two-shoe. And then no, nobody mentioned uh, Devontae Smith, really. Um, 11 big plays on the season. The guy averages 
a good amount of yards per catch, almost 700 receiving yards. But the injury report for both teams, obviously Davion Taylor ruled out for the season today for Philadelphia. Sean Bradley is probable. Jordan Howard is doubtful. But with Sanders and Scott, I really wouldn't be concerned, Jordan, if I'm yeah. We honestly kind of jinxed ourselves, too, because when Miles was coming back, we had Jordan Howard, Gainwell, and Boston Scott. And next year, Ani was like, this is a good problem to have because we have all this depth. We just got to figure out who our starting three are going to be. So we still have guys, but he's just been such a force. Like, our offense, I think, is going to miss him. So I'm hoping it's not too serious. We get him back realistically if we could get him back right after the bye if we can make it through the next couple weeks i think that still puts us in a very good position so let him rest and then hopefully boston scott can do what boston scott does against the giants yeah be elite and win the eagles games against yeah and hopefully miles sanders mile mcfumble hands can hold on to the ball a little bit (laughs) the successor to barkley both penn state running backs uh so for the Giants, Sterling Shepard, we hope he's back this week. He is officially listed as questionable, but signs are pointing up for him this week, which is good. Kyle Rudolph, there, there's no word on him yet with what's going to happen. Caden Smith missed Monday night's game with the knee injury. That was brutal for our running game. Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez, Nate Ebner, and Colin Gillespie one of the two fullbacks on our roster. Who knew an NFL team in 2021 carries two fullbacks on their roster? Um, good Lord, guys. Uh, and I just got this notification from the New York Post. People are slandering Daniel Jones for saying that he's going to miss Jason Garrett. Daniel Jones says he shoulders responsibility for Garrett's firing. Well, what else do you want your quarterback to say? What do you want to say? Congrats. I'm so happy he's gone. He would never right. say yeah, that. Yeah, like they can't come out and say that. New York media is just real tough. That's just how it is. Yeah. It'd be nice to see Watkins or Rager step up, but that's too much to ask at this point. LOL. <laughs> that's a fun one. Watkins has a moment here or there. Rager. Mm. He, he means Justin that. Jefferson pick still haunts <laughs> Eagles fans. And one last time. Get over it ever. And then you, it was so funny because I was like, all right, like this was me trying to talk myself off the ledge. I was like, with our second round pick, maybe we'll go get Mims. And I was like, and we'll have this cool wide receiver, like duo kind of thing. And then we took Jalen Hurts. And I was like, oh, okay. Like we just have no idea. Cause at that point, like that was the biggest shock ever. Now looking back, I, it's okay. But in the moment, I was just like, what? Like, it was pure, pure shock. It was horror, honestly. Here's our good friend, our mastermind, Brian McArdle. Uh, Giants players to watch. He was our guest last week. Brian, congrats on the win, by the way, and predicting a Tampa Bay win. Really appreciate that. Uh, Our entire defensive line, you guys gave Brady enough time in the pocket to prep his Thanksgiving turkey on Monday. Indeed. Indeed we did. That was a shot. Uh, Brian, why don't you predict this Giants game for us in the comments as well uh, while you're at it? You've been pretty much undefeated this year except for one time. Uh, speaking of that, let's get to our predictions, our last segment of the show. Jordan, we'll start with you. Who's winning this football game on Sunday? Are the Eagles getting back to 500? Uh, yeah, I think – and honestly, I don't want to 
I don't know if it's fair for me to call it a must-win game yet, but at the same time, I really think it is, especially in these divisional games, and they need to keep this track going if they want to be wildcard contenders. So I'm fully going Eagles here. I think there are more things in our favor. Um, even though it's a home game for you guys, we have to travel. I just think they're still going to be able to get the upper hand here. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. This should be an easy win for them. Because if they could do what they could do up against the Saints, I think if you carry all of that and do it again this week, they got it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's sad because of the fact that it is the Eagles and it's not something that I that I want to do. And I'll be in South Jersey on Sunday during this, this game. This, so. co- this is also true. This is also so, true. Of course. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm also thinking that the Eagles are going to win here. Um, my score prediction, probably like 24, 17. Like I don't see us scoring a lot of points um, unless Freddie kitchens comes out of the water. Like I know how to do this job and just like, <laughs> blows everybody away. But I just, after this past week and the transition with the coordinator, everything going on, the media bashing Daniel Jones for saying that he's going to miss somebody is whatever. But, um, but yeah, so I think the Eagles are going to win. But I feel like between the two matchups that we do end up having with the Eagles, I'd really love if we just had one win, make it a one-and-one situation, but I just don't know if this is the week that it's going to happen. Yeah, my score prediction. I'll I'll say 30-21. That's generous. Thank you. You're welcome. I've almost said 7-30-17, and I was like, no, I'll be nice. You guys asked me to call on your show. I can't. (laughs) <laughs> we could we could take it if you i mean we've had people somebody said what was it like 30 to 6 one week something like that i don't know people have done that to us in the past hank you know what even though i am scared to death to be doing this and i'm probably resorting to blind fate i know tom's shaking his head at me like what are you doing hank i'm sorry i can't have a whole four for four philadelphia sweep across the board i appreciate that hank I'm going to go with, okay, this is kind of an unusual looking score. Giants 30, Eagles 24. The 30-point the 30, the 30 drought's got to end sooner or later, right? All right. I appreciate that, Hank. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this with 100% confidence. <laughs> um, only New Yorkers would get mad at a quarterback saying he takes responsibility. <laughs> so on brand. Daniel Bagley says 24-14. Eagles. All right, so it's down to me. Hank, I think you thought you were going to be alone on this one. You guessed wrong. Um, Coming into the season, look, everybody was down on the Eagles. I was talking to an Eagles fan who thought they were going to go 5-12. Well, they're at five wins already. And I think these divisional games are always close, regardless if a team is really good or really bad. We saw it last week. Perfect example is the Tennessee Titans losing to the Texans, right? Mm-hmm. Who knew that the Titans would lose to the Jets and the Texans, but beat up on everybody else in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Um, That's the what Giants, makes the Titans so annoying. Yeah, <laughs> That's true. Are they good? Are, are they okay? Like, it's hard, especially without Henry now. But, uh, you know, Strahan's jersey's being retired. I'm not as con- – if this game was in Philadelphia, I'd probably go back on my word and – 
predict an Eagles win, but since the game is at MetLife, I'm going to pick the Giants because we have to sweep. We, we have to split Philly this year at least to have a chance. So I'm going to say Giants win. Not a whole lot of confidence in saying that, but I think Garrett being fired, everyone's down on the Giants. That's usually when they play well, when their backs are against the wall. So I have a feeling the Giants are going to win this matchup by a field goal. Um, you know what? Final score, my, as Michael Strahan once said, 17-14. 17-14 is the final. He did say that. One touchdown, we are world champ. Ah, oh, the glory days. But I will not be shocked if the Eagles absolutely kick the crap out of us. That's me being cautiously optimistic and picking the Giants, folks. So don't, uh, you know. But uh, Jordan, we wanted to thank you so much for joining our show tonight. Is there anything you wanted to add before we let you hop off here? It's a little scary right now because I feel like we all talked pretty highly about the Eagles and. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what we were hinting at when Noah was hinting at in the chat. It's whenever Eagles fans get comfortable is when the ground kind of starts to give way. But I'm hoping this is the turn of a new leaf and we're just slowly but surely moving in the right direction. Um, I would be very happy with a wild. I know drunk words. Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. But on a sober calm cool collected note i would be very happy with wild card just to even if we lose in the first round just to kind of show that everything and all the pieces we've gotten are working so just going to take things one week at a time but thank you guys so much for having me if you could please plug your podcasts that you do uh i'm sure the fans really appreciate it if you don't know sporty jordy the floor is now yours Yes, thank you. Yeah, you can find me on all social medias everywhere. I finally got my handle the same for everything. So at the Sporty Jordy, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of it. I post my YouTube channel is just Sporty Jordy. So you can find me there. I also host the Fantasy Underdogs podcast Mondays and when Mondays and Thursdays. See, we're all messed up on when football is actually playing. Mondays and Thursdays before the games and also Sunday mornings with Sam starting at, do we start at 11 or 1130? 11. 11.30. 30. <laughs> We're all on holiday brain, but yeah, you can find me all there. This Sunday at 1130? This Sunday at 1130. Very cool. We'll have to check we'll that out. We'll get all of our picks for the games. Just get ready for another crazy week of football. Well, Jordan, thank you so much. And we have one last comment. Nice to hear a rational Eagles fan for once, (laughs) unlike Daniel Bakley. Sometimes. Sometimes. If we lose this game, this lovely Eagles block that Sam got for me, it will be thrown. And it does get thrown (laughs) often. I don't know how it's still intact. All right, Jordan. It's your emotional support Eagles block. It is. It's my emotional support Eagles block. Indeed. Got to keep that block intact. Well, we hope you enjoy the rest of your evening and hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving on behalf of Review and Preview, Jordan. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. You guys, too. Bye, Jordan. Bye. That was Sporty Jordy, um, Philadelphia Eagles fan. Very rational, as always. Um, Before we sign off tonight, uh, Sam, you have a quick announcement for the folks at home. This isn't bad news or anything. Sam is still going to be a part of our team, but our show starting next week is going to begin to change just a little bit. 
Yeah, so um, fortunately, um, I have been offered a new job. Um, I will be working at night, so uh, that is why I won't be able to do the live shows any longer. I'm going to be over at NFL Films in South Jersey, which I'm very excited about. It's I'm returning. I was I worked there before, so it's um, it's a very exciting time. Um, however, it, it just means I will not be able to do the live shows anymore. But I will still be involved in Big Blue Avenue. I will still be involved in Review and Preview. Um, I'll probably be doing pre-recorded stuff that Tom and Hank will so graciously show my face on the show still. So you can still find me here, um, just not live. But yeah, so it's uh, it, it's sad, but also very exciting for me. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to, to leave you guys on our live shows, but I know that this is not goodbye. It's just... Uh, no. We'll be doing other things at other times. Yeah. And we will probably, if there's any turnover tea, uh, we will have Sam pre-record that and play that on the live show. So she will still be somewhat on the live show, just not physically here. But uh, Sam, and I think I'm not going to speak on behalf of Hank, but I think both of us are in alignment that you've been an outstanding addition to our live streams this season. Mm, Very Um, much so. A lot of great insight and a different perspective on things sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's good to get a lot of differing opinions on the Giants, even though the three of us typically think in a similar mindset, I think, when it comes to the Giants. Uh, but we couldn't thank you enough for being uh, one of our live show members this season for Big Blue Avenue. And we look forward to working with you continuously moving forward. So thank yeah. you so much. And thank you guys for for bringing me on this season. It's been a great 11 weeks, and I've had such a blast with you guys. I love you guys, and I appreciate you all. We got a couple last comments for Sam. Uh, Noah says, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Good luck. And thank you. Daniel as well. Good luck with NFL. Thank films. you so much. Good area. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. The shade yes. thrown. Hank, final thoughts? First of all, Sam, I just want to say again, congrats and best of luck at NFL Films. Thank you. I know damn well you are going to absolutely be killing it at that job. It is right up your alley. And listen, you made Big Blue Avenue even better. Ever From the minute you joined our show as our first guest, I love hearing hearing your thoughts. And yeah, like Tom said, a lot of the times we pretty much have the same ideas anyways, but you know what? Great minds think alike. So is that necessarily a bad thing? And so once again, Sam, best of luck. I'm looking forward to still continuing to collaborate with you on future stuff. And Hey, maybe I'll even bring you on whenever I do a little short video for big blue Avenue about the giants too. So I wouldn't necessarily rule out that possibility. And besides that to all my family, that's been watching Mom, Rich, Grandma, Aunt, Aunt Heidi, Peter, Jephthah, and of course my sister Ivy, who came home from from college. Thank you guys for tuning in, and thanks to everyone else who tuned in for bombing the comments. And of course, Tom, thanks as always for having me on. And one more thing, I have to say: Let's go, Big Blue! And of course, Happy Thanksgiving. Sam, give you the final word here. Anything else you want to add? Um. Well. What I would love is for you two to be correct in your predictions this Sunday, especially since I will literally be surrounded by Philadelphia Eagles fans. I would love to just have have that win under our belts there, but we will see what happens this past Sunday. 
And honestly, I just just want to say thank you guys again for having me on. I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday tomorrow and everybody has a wonderful time with their families, eats a lot of food, takes a nice, wonderful nap and enjoys the three football games that are on tomorrow. So, Absolutely, folks. We hope you all enjoy your Thanksgiving. And remember, next week we will be back to Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Big Blue Avenue where Hank and I will be sitting down with the real football fans of New Jersey. Caitlin Brower joins the show with her other friend, Katie, who run that account. I'm really looking forward to interviewing them. And again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy the football games on the count of three in unison. Three, two, one. Let's go. Let's go, go Big, Big Blue. 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 <laughs>